Welcome to the fifth installment of the five steps of reframing your story. At any given moment, you have the power to say, this is not how the story is going to end. Join us today as we discuss the fifth and final step in reframing the chapters of your story that feel broken. Today, we'll put all the previous steps together to come to the final reframe of your story. Get ready to rewrite the broken chapters for good. Stories are our lives and language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with and making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. If you are just popping into this episode, I suggest you go back and listen to episode 46 through 49 before moving on to this one. There are five steps in the process to reframing the chapters of your life that feel broken or shameful, or you're just not okay with them. And this is the fifth and final step, the step where everything from the previous four steps is brought together to help you create your final reframe, an advanced understanding of your story. So if you haven't, you'll want to listen to the previous four episodes because each episode deals with one of those steps. Each one is dedicated specifically to those steps and we've been going over that through the month of August. So now here we are on step number five, the actual reframe. So if you've listened to the other four, here we go. Reframing is looking at a story or event in our lives through a different frame of understanding, hence the re-frame. Often we're very stuck in our own interpretations of our stories, despite the fact, as we discussed in step four, that there are many ways to interpret a situation. We see things only as we see things, and it's a process to discover other options. When I was doing the work to reframe my stories, I could not see another way to interpret the things that had happened to me. It took another person to help me see what I couldn't see on my own. And if you're interested in that story, go back to episode one where I go over it in detail. It may be very likely that it's the same thing for you. I want to share a story from the Huffington Post in 2010. It was a lifestyle blog by Rachel Freed, and it was titled The Importance of Telling Our Stories. She tells a story from her life journey and why she feels it's important to tell our stories. And she also had a friend help with her reframe. And, you know, quick note, same thing. Sometimes it's not a one-person job because we're so stuck in our story. This is where you may need a coach or the right friend or a therapist. But let me share her story in her words. Quote, The first morning after arriving in Tunis, October 1st, 2010, my two sister travelers and I ventured deep into the Tunis Medina, an ancient walled city, to visit the home where I lived some 44 years ago. At the time, my then husband and I were new Peace Corps volunteers, and we, quote, inherited this palace of a 19th century minister from Peace Corps architects who'd lived there during their service. In our first week in Tunisia during September of 1966, 
We made our way with great naivete and some trepidation into the hills of the romantic blue and white Mediterranean coastal town to negotiate a lease for this house with our owner, a shrewd old patriarch. We were served some tea, our new language skills were tested, and the rent was agreed upon exactly what the old man asked for. The house, traditionally built, was completely invisible from the street except for its tall arched doorway, a decorative door. Its rooms were designed on three sides of an interior courtyard. Its arched plaster ceilings, lavishly sculpted in plaster, were hung with ornate crystal chandeliers, and the lower halves of the interior walls were encrusted with tiles set in colorful geometric patterns. It's a 30 square foot marble paved courtyard. It had its own well. Its walls were tile decorated and its windows to the interior rooms protected and ornamented in painted metal grill work. This was a space made for entertaining and displaying its ancient Muslim architectural tradition. Our first reception was a coffee and croissant breakfast for 80 to 100 people on Thanksgiving morning in 1966. Peace Corps volunteers from Massachusetts and California and those working in Tunis were invited along with the American ambassador and other American officials to meet and greet young Senator Ted Kennedy and John Tunis, the boxer's son and House of Representatives member, as they traveled North Africa. Back from memory to my 2010 journey. Well, a taxi deposited us on the street and we walked a short distance and turned onto my narrow unpaved street. I found the huge door at number 14 and entered its dark corridor that led to our door. My heart was racing. My long anticipated visit laced with fears that the house had been left uncared for and had fallen to ruin, that no one would be at home to answer the door, that my long forgotten language skills would not be persuasive enough for us to be allowed in, or that the house in reality would just not be as I remembered it. It felt strange for there to be so much light at the end of the dark corridor, I remembered. I reached its end and turned right to knock on the door, but there was no door, just a gaping opening. The light was not from my fondly remembered courtyard. There was just nothing there. What had been was no longer there and was in 2010 an open field filled with three foot high weeds, some plastic bottles and trash. The outer walls were somewhat intact surrounding this weedy lot and on them were markings where outer wall arches had once been. Not a tile, not a remnant of plaster sculpture, not a piece of marble. There were no remains. I stood amidst the weeds, stunned, paralyzed into complete silence and disbelief. My memory held all these years my beloved Ben Mustafa, home of beauty and place of welcome to so many, was just gone. Collapsing into the arms of my fellow volunteer, friend, and traveler, I wept. When I returned home, my closest friend listened to my story. She said it reminded her of what concentration camp survivors must have experienced when they returned home after World War II to find that their old reality was gone, just a memory. This jolted me to begin to put my experience in perspective. My heart opened beyond myself. I felt compassion as I considered the many millions over the centuries who have lost their homes and way of life because of wars and catastrophes, as recent as those of Darfur, 
in the Gulf after Katrina, in Port-au-Prince after the earthquake, from tsunamis and floods all over the planet. And what have I gained by sharing my story? The ability to see beyond it, to notice that I'm not the only one who experiences disappointment and loss. I feel deeper compassion for those sustaining great losses. My respect for human resiliency has grown, as has my commitment to help people who must start over completely after devastating loss, rebuilding lives, homes, and hope." Unquote. The five steps of reframing your story allow you to step onto a path and start a process in a healthy and healing way taking it one step at a time. It's a process designed to specifically assist in dealing with our difficult stories. This final step, the reframe, is actually the combination of all the pieces you have created with the following four steps. If you have fully accepted releasing any shame and accepted your story to be what it is, no matter how much you wish it were different, then you begin to go beyond it. Eckhart Tolle said, the moment you accept this is what you feel, you transcend it. it. It may still be there, but suddenly you are at a deeper place where it doesn't matter that much anymore." Unquote. If you have claimed it and allowed it to be, then you are prepared to be able to tell it out loud in words in a safe place. Saying it aloud with less cringing, with the acceptance from the previous step, the story loses even more of its hold on you. Bringing it into the light naturally does that. Once you have completed those two steps, and it may take a little time, that's okay, you then start the work of finding the meaning behind the experience, which is the third step. With this meaning, there is something beyond pain and disappointment that come from our most difficult experiences. We figure out what that is. And often the great power in this step is that we begin to see the strength and the power, the growth and the beauty rise from the ashes. After step three, when we can see some of the gold being sifted out from the dross, we move on to the fourth step and maybe the most difficult of taking apart our lenses and the truth about the way we interpret things and the way others may have been interpreting events and reconsider that our interpretation is not necessarily fact, but that there are other ways and perspectives available and probable and perhaps that understanding can help you find the new frame. Now step five, which is what we're about today, is the process of putting them all together, getting clear on what that reframe looks like. From here, I suggest writing it down or recording it so that you can reset in your heart and mind. There was an article in Inc. Magazine that said that those who write things out by hand have better recall and conceptual understanding of the material. I've seen this a number of times in research studies, but um, it said, quote, new research by Pam Mueller and Daniel Oppenheimer demonstrates that students who write out their notes on paper actually learn more. Across three experiments, those who wrote out their notes by hand had a stronger conceptual understanding and were more successful in applying and integrating the material than those who took notes with their laptops." Unquote. So this step, the reason that I'm recommending that you write it out is because 
sometimes we, you know, we're doing all this work in our minds. We're doing all this conceptual stuff. But when you stop and you actually rewrite the new story with all of these steps that you've gone through, you do the reframe, what was and what is, what you're shifting, what you're shifting it from, all of this, you get it down on paper. Um, maybe you even have to go back and reread it a couple of times, but it becomes something that's not just a concept, but it becomes a little more real. It helps you to reprogram a long-held story, a carefully guarded story, and there is great process in the power of rewriting it, flushing it out in a new frame and in words rather than just in ideas. So step five is taking all the previous work you've done and synthesizing it into the final reframe that serves you in a more productive way. For me, shifting from looking at my life as broken because it didn't live up to my expectations within my religious teachings, my, my family, or within what felt like acceptable and respectable bounds culturally to me, me coming to peace with it because I could look at what I had gained and how that had made me better instead of broken. It changed everything. Instead of shame and embarrassment, there was acceptance and realization of the process of living. Like the making of a pearl, when an irritant, an invader into the mollusk becomes covered in lacquer, layer after layer, a valuable item of beauty is created. This is often how our lives work. This frame allowed me to find an inner peace, to share my story more openly when needed, and to accept myself and my life path rather than constantly wondering how in the hell I got here. Your reframe may be like Rachel's, where you gain an insight into life that deepens your understanding in deep and beautiful ways and helps to change the world through your efforts in a new way because you see things differently. It may be like mine, where most important was the move to loving my own story with all its broken parts as well as its extravagant blessings and joys, accepting the whole messy ball of it all. Your frame gets to be whatever it is for you. But if it provides a way for you to love and accept your journey or yourself and moves you toward loving your story in any way, then it's worth every effort because the stories we tell to ourselves about ourselves determine who we become, determine our own confidence, determine our peace, determine our interactions with the world, with the people around us, and it also determines the good that we do. So this work is really important. And I applaud you for being here, for doing it, for looking at your life seriously enough and caring enough about moving forward in a beautiful and healthy way and taking the steps and the effort. Yay you! Woohoo! Martha Beck, the renowned life coach, said, quote, No part of your experience is wasted. Everything you've experienced so far is part of what you were meant to learn. End quote. I hope you have enjoyed and found value in these five steps. This is one of the most valuable series in this entire podcast because I feel like it's a set of very important tools that can make a huge life difference. So I hope you use them and share them. I would love to hear how this process goes for you, what you need continued guidance in and suggestions and ideas you come up with during your process. If you'd like coaching help in reframing your story, please reach out and let me know. We have coaching available and please go to www.loveyourstorypodcast.com and hit up the contact us page. We want to hear from you and stay tuned for coming episodes where we listen to you and we're bringing in more stories as told by those who lived them. 
So we'll see you in the next episode with new exciting stories and interviews in September. One last note, the Love Your Story t-shirts are available on the website too. If you want those, we ship anywhere in the U.S. Have fun out there telling your stories. We'll see you next week. Thank you.